it was November of 1986 that my father took the church where he still resides as pastor. I was five years old. My wife at that time was four years old. She was up singing. And the story my mother tells is while she was singing, I looked at my mom and I told her, one day I'm going to marry that girl. She and I grew up together. We were childhood sweethearts. When we were kids, we would pretend like we were married. There's a reason I'm saying all of this. There was a time when we were kids, we would pretend that we were evangelists. Her and I would pretend like we had a truck and a trailer. We pretended like we traveled the country and preached. That childhood dream became reality August the 10th, 2003. Her and I left. My wife and I have never lived in a house together, we've always lived in an RV trailer our kids have grown up in this life don't feel sorry for them they love it I have been offered 40 churches in the past 17 years I've turned all 40 of them down because I believe in the importance of a God called evangelist. There's a difference in a traveling preacher and an evangelist. And we have for years, at least in Pentecost, put the evangelist in some box. That there's some things they can't say and some things they can't preach. And while I get that, I think a lot of it was stemmed from people who cared more about being a dictator than being a pastor. When the reality is there's some things the evangelist can say the pastor can't say. The key is to know your calling and work together. 
God God never intended in the five-fold ministry for one to outrank the other. The evangelist should not use the calling as a stepping stool to get to something else. You work together in the kingdom. So, I've said all of that for what I'm going to preach to you tonight. And I'm preaching to you from the call of an evangelist. Mark chapter 10 is where we go to tonight. Verse number 46. agree I agree so very much with what your pastor said we need revival now now you can take this for however you will but I've said for a couple of months now that nobody will disagree. No church will disagree that we need revival now. But my question is, how can you have revival when you're not even having church? Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. That's our first problem. Too many beggars and not enough believers. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately. 
doesn't take him long to do the work immediately. He received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I'm going to preach to you tonight a message that I have, I'll be honest, I've preached several times, especially the past two years. Because I believe it's so relevant for where Pentecost is right now. I want to preach to you tonight the perishing power of Pentecost. Now I'm very deliberate in my title, not the perished power. Because it's not quite dead yet. But if we who claim to be Pentecost don't get our act together, this power is going to breathe its last breath. And we're going to talk about it tonight. Would you lift your hands and ask the Lord to help us? Oh, Jesus, thank you for your presence. For the confirmation of your word and spirit. I pray you would confirm your word with signs following. Jesus, do what only you can do. Touch as only you can touch. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. For the casual reader, these few verses of Scripture I've read, the words may seem to just bend and blend with the rest. But for just a moment, there are some key words in these Scriptures that I want to look at and diagnose tonight. The Bible says they came to Jericho. Everyone say they. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, say his disciples, and a great number of people, so in verse 46, we have the they, we have his disciples, we have a great number of people. In verse 48, we are told many charged him. So in just two verses, it becomes very obvious that Jesus is not by himself. Nor is it just he and Bartimaeus. But there is so many people that have found themselves at this season 
that Mark doesn't even take time to give a head count. He just looks at the crowd and says, it's a great number. He looks at the crowd and says, there's many. So I have to ask the question tonight, I wonder who it is that made up the crowd. Who is it that is there in the presence of Jesus that numbers the many, that numbers the they, that is accounted as a great number of people? So as I begin to ask myself that question, I, I have to go back to the beginning of Mark's gospel and look at the progression of what's happened the past nine chapters in his book. When we go to Mark chapter 1, we read of an unclean spirit that is rebuked. We read of many people that is diseased and possessed are healed and delivered. A leper is healed in Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus heals a man with palsy. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus heals a withered hand. In Mark chapter 3, multitudes follow Jesus. It is in Mark chapter 4 that Jesus rebukes the wind. In Mark chapter 5, a man with an unclean spirit is healed. It is in this chapter that we read of the famous story of Jairus and his daughter that's raised back to life. We got miracle after miracle. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. In Mark chapter 7, a girl is delivered and a deaf man is healed. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus feeds the multitude. It is in Mark chapter 9 that a dumb and deaf spirit is cast out. So when we come to Mark chapter 10, thousands have recognized the power of Jesus. So it is not a far-fetched notion to believe that those among this great number of people, those that make up the they and the many, no doubt is some of those who at one time sat on the field with hungry stomachs when all they had was five loaves and two fish. But they gave what little they had to a God that can do anything. And they saw a miracle of expansion as God not only fed them there, but fed them enough to take home to feed 
tomorrow. These people, some of these have, have found themselves outside of Jericho around Jesus, talking to Jesus. Maybe, maybe Jairus is there. Maybe even his daughter is present. Maybe the man that was healed of leprosy is there or the man that, that was healed with the withered hand is there. The point is these people, when they got an encounter with Jesus, they was not there long enough just to get a touch, but they stayed faithful to him. They stuck it out with him. They did not leave him just when they got something from him. It did not matter who came and who went. It did not matter who showed up and who left. It did not matter who backslid and walked out. These people love Jesus enough to stay there, to not leave. I'm thankful tonight for people in this house and for people in this church and for people in Pentecost that has stayed true to this belief. No matter what friends did, no matter what family did, no matter what favorite preacher did, come on, thank God for people who stayed here longer than just to get a touch, but they stayed through thick and thin. They stayed through better or worse. They stayed in the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs, in the good and the bad, in the rough and the tough. They stayed put. Come on, anybody thankful you're still here? Come on, anybody thankful you didn't leave? You stayed put? Come on, you stayed after you got the healing. You stayed after you got the blessing. You stayed after you got the deliverance. You stayed after you got the touch. Thank you for staying. And while I could spend the next hour thanking you for staying, put the elders and, and those that, that have seen people come and go, but you didn't go with them. You've seen the church in the good and the bad, but you didn't jump ship. You stayed on the boat. While I can spend the next hour thanking you for that, you hear me well tonight. While I honor the they and I honor the great number that stayed with Jesus, I have a bone to pick with them. Something very unsettling fills my spirit when I read about these people. Yes, you stayed with Jesus. Yes, the they, the great number, the many were faithful to Jesus. But my problem is, when it comes time for Bartimaeus to get a miracle, they are not teaching him how to get one. They are not showing him what to do. They are not pointing.
thrown him in the right direction. Instead, they're complaining about the man. Oh, yeah. The same people that stayed, the same people that were faithful, many charged him that he should hold his peace. I would like to ask these people, do you not remember when you once stood in the same place Bartimaeus is at? Have you forgotten, Jarius, when you needed Jesus? Oh, man, you quiet tonight. Have you forgotten, 5,000, there was a day you needed Jesus? There was a day you was just as loud as he is. now because you got your miracle now because you got your blessing now because you don't need anything you're not encouraging somebody else who needs what you used to need you complain about the dude Bartimaeus son I don't think you get it you see we've been with Jesus for a while we know how this thing is supposed to work Bartimaeus, let me explain to you how we work around here. Nobody has sang a song yet. Nobody has taken up an offering yet. The choir hasn't sang yet. The preacher hasn't preached yet. The altar call's not been given yet. Don't you know protocol? Don't you know there's a place and a time for everything? All Bartimaeus knows is I'm a blind man and I'm standing at a place that the doctor can't help me and the hospital can't help me and medicine can't help me. I don't know protocol, but I know I got a need and the only one that can need it is the one walking by. Can you turn me up, please? You hear me. I am not against being professional. I believe if everything is, if anything is done decently and in order, it should be the church. I'm not against, I'm not against professionalism, but I am against it when we take out Pentecost and replace it with professional. When we take when we take out intercession and we bring in entertainment. Come on, you want strobe lights and smoke machines? Have them, but dear God, don't forsake a prayer room. Don't forsake a prayer closet. Don't forsake an altar. Don't ignore worship and praise. Don't stop clapping your hands. Don't stop standing on your feet. Don't stop praising God. I've got 
to know what has happened to the they. What has happened to the great number? How is it that they at one time needed the Lord so much they did whatever but now that somebody else does they complain about it. What has happened to you? What have you lost? What has died in your spirit that causes you to be a hindrance to a miracle and not a help to a miracle? What has happened to you that caused you to be a detriment to a miracle and not a deliverer to a miracle? What has happened to the day? And I've got to ask that question and it it demands an answer because the same thing that they lost, the same thing that perished in their spirit is the same thing I am seeing in the ranks of Pentecost dying on us. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to preach about it. But Atkins is a man with guts. And I'm going to talk about it. Because we've got to get back what we used to have. So I ask, what has happened to my Pentecost? I'm 39 years old. I was born and raised in this thing. Never backslid, never left. So I can talk about us. What's happened to my Pentecost? I remember a day when there was no question. There was no wonder. You knew when you walked in the house of God, especially on a Sunday night, there was going to be some hour running. There was going to be some tongue talking. There was going to be some dancing. You was going to hear some shouting, some hand clapping. I can remember the choir getting up on Sunday nights and singing the glory of God down that, that, that the preacher could not stand to preach because people were laid out in the spirit. They were laid out in the foyer. They were laid out in the hallway. You was having to drive them home because they were so drunk on the Holy Ghost. Nobody was looking at their watch. Nobody was complaining about the time. Nobody was complaining about the sound. All they knew is I need God. God and I need God now and nobody can help me but God what's happened to my pinnacles There was a day they didn't care who was singing and what song it was. But now we can't move unless it's our favorite singer singing our favorite style of music. What has happened to my Pentecost? Preachers preached without chains, without fetters, without fear, and people filled the altar. But now we're so afraid we'll offend everybody that there's some things we can't talk about. Baloney, if it's in the Word of God, you better preach it. If it's in God's word, you better talk about it. You just knew that a week would not pass by. In three services, you just knew 
somewhere in the preaching, they were going to talk about holiness. And they were going to preach about tithing. But now you better be careful talking about that stuff. Because we're so more concerned about petting flesh than crucifying flesh. That's why some of you right now are looking at me offended. There was a day you wasn't offended. Now you're wanting Bartimaeus to shut up. Baby, you got the wrong man on your hands. I'll just get louder. I'll just get crazier. I'll just get wilder. See, I know most of you don't know me, but the Gophers know me and the Carsons know me, and I'm one man. I'm telling you, I'll, I take things personal, especially when it comes to Pentecost. Because as an evangelist who travels this country, who's in church over 300 times a year, who's constantly going from state to state and church to church, I'm seeing, I'm seeing the detriment. I'm seeing the perishing power of Pentecost. And I'm doing everything I can to bring it back to life, to give it CPR, to resuscitate it. How can we have revival when we complain about everything? How can we have revival when we fight with each other? How can we have revival if we're not separate and we're not desperate for it? It ain't happening. The very ones who should have been encouraging Bartimaeus, taking him by the hand and leading him to Jesus, becomes his biggest detriment. And I have found out in Pentecost that the ones who complain the most about how loud the PA is and how hot the building is or how cold the building is or the ones who complain the most about my little boy didn't get a part in the Christmas play and my little girl didn't get to sing her song and I didn't get to preach my message. The biggest complainers are not the alcoholics. It's not the drug addicts. It's not the sinners. No, the biggest complainers are those who's been in the church for a few years and they think we can program this out. Come on, I believe in program, but every now and then, you better tear that thing up and let the Holy Ghost move and let Jesus move and let people get changed and let healings take place. Two things that give us the greatest blessings and the most favor, holiness and tithing, no one wants to talk about anymore. Would a man rob God? That was the question to God's people. And their response was, how have we robbed you? Here's the answer, in your tithing. 
in your offerings. And because you've done this, God told his people, you're cursed. Now stay with me. I'm going to hit you hard. He tells his people, his called out people, his chosen people, his delivered people, you robbed me, so you're cursed. What's another word for robber? Thief. Take a look at a cross. A thief on the right. A thief on the left. Jesus in the middle. And to one thief, Jesus looks at him and says, Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Wait a minute. To your people, they're cursed. But to a thief on a cross, he's blessed. Why? Because Jesus has more mercy for a thief on a cross than he does a thief on a pew. You see, there was a day people settled on this. Now you just look at me because you want me to get to something else. You won't bless, pay your tithes. But Brother Atkins, I already do. Then why aren't you shouting? Then why aren't you dancing? You want God's favor? Pay your tithes. This is one preacher who still believes women should look like women and men should look like men. Holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And by the way, just in case you don't know who should be wearing what, take a look at the restroom signs. You ain't got to say a word. Just look at what the world puts on the restroom signs, baby. I refuse to let the world preach my message. If they can put it on their buildings, I can say it with my mouth. Women should look like women and men should look like men. It's still in the Word of God. Come on, if you don't shut on that, I'll nail it home a little more. Women should look like women and men should look like men. There are some places we shouldn't go, some things we shouldn't listen to, some things we shouldn't watch, some, come, come on, some friends we shouldn't have. Come on, there was a day preaching like this filled the altar. Now you gotta beg him to respond. What's happened to my Pentecost? Jesus gave a whole list to his disciples when they said, what's the son of the end time? He gave a whole list, earthquakes and diseases, and he went on and on. But the last thing he said as a son of the end time is many will be offended. So you can sit there and be offended at me. It just lets me know we're in the end time. We have got to have a move of God. Revival is no longer optional. Revival is no longer do or do without. We have got to have a move of the Holy Ghost.
Ghost. It's the only answer. It's the only hope. It's the only solution. It's the only remedy. It's the only vaccine. We have got to have a move of God. So what is it? What, what have they lost that, that I believe Pentecost as a whole is losing? I'll tell you what it is. One word. What would cause a man to raise his voice as loud as he could to get Jesus to stand still? What would cause a woman to crawl on her knees just to touch the hem of the garment? What would cause men to tear the roof off the house just for their friend to get a miracle? i tell you what it was. They had got to a place that they had a spirit of desperation. We're just not as desperate as we once was. Desperation means the feeling of needing or wanting something very much. It means the feeling of being in such a bad situation that you will take any risk to change it. It means a state of despair, typically one that results in rash or extreme behavior. We're just not desperate for revival anymore because we've learned how to have church without it. See, there was a day our only hope for a healing was a touch from Jesus. But now, if he doesn't touch us, that's okay. We can just go home and take pills. There was a day our only trust wasn't a God that can do anything. But now, if he doesn't, that's okay. We got blue cross and blue shield. Preach the quarter y'all get. There was a day we had no plan B. We had no backup option. It was God or bust. It was God or die. It was revival or the church dies. But now we know what songs to sing. We know what key to sing them in. We know what beat to play. We know what rhythm to give. We know what sermons to preach to get people moving. We know what sermons to preach to, to, to get people shouting, my God, when are we going to get back to the realization this ain't about you, it ain't about me, it ain't about us being petted, it ain't about our, our flavor and our favorite song. It's about a move of God that changes us, changes our attitude, changes our spirit, changes our mindset, changes our concept. How can we?
we at one time have been so desperate that we acted crazy. We wanted the Holy Ghost so much, we did whatever we were told to do. I've heard of pastors saying that, 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 that they told people, to, they told women, take the bobby pins out of your hair, throw them on the ground, and just dance on the bobby pins, and you will get the Holy Ghost. And they did. Not, not the fact you have to do that, but for the fact they were willing to do whatever. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They were desperate. It didn't matter what you told them to do. They wanted God more than anything else. They wanted God more than they wanted entertainment. They wanted God more than they wanted to look good. They wanted God more than anything else. Come on, some of you needed a healing so much. You did anything to get your healing. If it was rolling on the floor or crawling on the floor or walking the pews, you did whatever. But now you're numbered among the they and we're desperate for a move of God. But some of you still sit there unmoved, unchanged, unchallenged. What has happened? Can we be this close to the second coming of God? And we stack up on our prayer and we stack up on our worship. How can we be in, the, in an environment of disorder and chaos? And we stack up on church and we stack up on revival. It's because we're not desperate. Well, I'm just not emotional. Well, you're mad at me? Don't say you're not emotional. You just choose your emotions. I just don't act like that anymore. Well, pray tell, why not? Because I'm sophisticated and I'm. No, no. You're a lazy bum and you're not desperate anymore. That's your problem. Hey, I'm just being an evangelist. I'm, 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 I'm going to prove that to you. Paul. Told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Hear me. He explained what the work was three verses prior to that statement when he said, reprove, rebuke, exhort. But see, we have put the evangelist in a box. All you're supposed to do is exhort. That's the last thing we're supposed to do. Come on, stay in the book, why don't you? We have got to get a spirit of desperation back on us. And the reason we don't have it is because we don't think we need God. 
say we do. We say we need revival, but baby, actions speak louder than words. The number one reason pastors give me of not having revivals like they did years ago. You know those that went on and on and on and on and on. The number one reason they give me for not doing that is because people's just too busy. When were they not? People just has a lot to do anymore. Really? Well, let's, let's open that can of worms and talk about it. There was a day, if you were hungry for chicken, you had to go in your backyard, chase the thing down, catch it, wring its neck, defeather it, cook it all day long to get all the germs off of it. Sometime that night you could have chicken. But now if you want chicken, go to KFC. But we're too busy. Well, our kids have to get up and go to school. Oh, so there was a day they didn't. You see, every excuse they give me, there's only one thing I'm hearing. I'm not desperate. I don't want it. I don't need it. I tell you what, my prayer all of 2020, ever since this pandemic hit, my prayer has been this. God, I don't want you just to wake up the church. I want you to wake up men of God to understand. You better have a move of God now. And you better cast out every excuse and every every issue, every every problem you got. My God, we got, I'm, I, I believe, you hear me, you hear this evangelist, there is coming a day that churches are going to wake up and realize one day revival is not enough. We need four and five and six and seven and eight and nine and ten. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. I tell you when, when we become desperate, when we become hungry, when we realize we got no hope and we got no solution and we got no other answer but revival and God and Holy Ghost. The man was blind, folks. The man was blind. But twice he said, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Never mention his condition. Never mention his blindness. But when Jesus stood still, Jesus called him. And Jesus asked him, What do you need? 
Then he said, I want to receive my sight. Because when you reach a spirit of desperation, you're not the one doing the asking anymore. Jesus starts asking you. Last year, usually I'm not a storytelling preacher, but I just feel this right now. Last year, we were out in California preaching. And we went Sunday, like this week. We went Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The pastor said, for the Atkins, I don't believe God's done yet. Can we go on? I said, sure. He said, you got someone to be? I said, of course. I'll just call the guy and get out of it somehow. Done it a thousand times before. So we go on. Little did I know the most powerful testimony I was going to hear would come Thursday night, the continuation of that revival. As the pastor asked an individual, a man on this side of the church, to stand and testify. Here was the man's testimony. He said, church, now we're talking California. You know, we're... People believe they're all liberal and they don't want revival. They don't want to move a God. Maybe I've been there. That is not the case. This man stood up and he said, Me, my wife, and our children had scheduled a vacation. He said it was one of those vacations that you had to pay for before you went. We already, played the, we already paid the plane ticket. We already paid the hotel reservation. We already play, paid the week. He said, we are out thousands of dollars. But pastor, when you said we're going on, I knew revival is more important than vacation. See, there was a day that was common. Now we hear that and we think, oh my God. Because there was a day we planned vacation around revival. Now if we got revival planned and we already had a trip planned, we ain't coming to revival. And then we wonder why our kids are backsliding and why our churches are dying and why our marriages are falling apart. If you haven't learned me by now, let me tell you, I don't hold anything back because it's too late to start beating around the bush and playing games. If the world can speak boldly to us, we need preachers to speak boldly. I'm one man, I ain't got one fear bone in my body because I won't revival that much. I am willing to dig and plow and work and slave and sweat and bleed because I know we need revival and we need revival now. God. 
Come on, pray right now, church. Pray right now. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. Don't pray quietly. Pray right now. Oh, God, help us. God, revive desperation. Revive hunger. Revive thirst. Revive the spirit of a need. Those that hunger shall be filled. Why? Because it's easy to feed hungry people. We're too full of carnality. We're too full of the world. We're too full of pleasure. We need to get hungry for God. Hungry for a move of the Holy Ghost. tell you something. Let me tell you something. If 2020 has not convinced you, we need revival. I'm afraid to know what it's going to take to convince you. If a pandemic and an absolutely chaotic nation it's not enough to awaken you to the realization we better get serious now. What's it going to take? You don't get points just because you showed up to a building. Well, at least I'm here. He should be happy. Oh, no. Oh, no. You come here and just sit there and don't do anything. You don't make God happy. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. That book said that Bartimaeus cried out. That doesn't mean he shed tears. That doesn't mean he wept. It means he lifted his voice and he got loud. And when the church folk told him to shut up, he said, I'm just going to get louder. Yes. 
Come on, you can sit there and say, I don't like it loud. Then get used to your trouble. Get used to your problem. Get used to your issue. Get used to your storm. The only thing that makes Jesus stand still is someone that will cry out. for your revival cry for your breakthrough cry for your deliverance cry for your healing cry for your family cry for your children cry for your city Desperate people get loud. Non-desperate people complain. Is there anyone desperate? Is there anyone desperate? Is there